Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my colleague and collaborator, the editor of our blog, the illustrious newsletter manager, the experienced technical writer, Ryan Donovan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Ryan, a couple of topics that have come up recently on the pod and, you know, are buzzing around in the discourse for, I think, software developers in general is AI and ML, the degree to which you can help with writing code or testing code. We recently had the folks on from Codium to chat about this. And our guest today has some ideas in similar veins, probably as his own approach, and I'm excited to hear about it. So from your perspective, Ryan, it's like writing testing is something no developer really wants to do. Yeah. And like saying I got to this level of test coverage just so I can pass means you write bad right. test coverage. And so maybe this is one of those areas where it's like automation will not eliminate jobs. It'll just make everybody's lives better. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I remember the days when there was a lot of manual testing and we had a whole team of QA folks right. going through the program and clicking buttons. So I think the less contact you can have between the developer and the uh, and the actual testing, right. better. It's repeatable, yeah. reliable. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome Syed Hamid, who is the founder and CEO at Sophie, onto the program. Uh, thank you for having me, Ben and Ryan. Nice meeting you. Nice to meet you too. So Syed, for folks who don't know, tell us a little bit about your background. I know you spent two decades at Microsoft and were an engineering manager there. They are maybe the top dog. Again, <laughs> history has a way of repeating and rhyming and going in circles when it comes to AI and their partnership with OpenAI and all the things that they're pushing out at a tremendous pace. Talk to us a little bit about your time there, You know what you learned, what it was like working there, and maybe reflect a little on how they ended up in the pole position. Yeah. Um, so I actually started right out of college at Microsoft uh, back in 97. And you know, started as a software test engineer. And uh, grew through the ranks and part of the eight-member leadership team that was responsible for all the developer and tester activities within the company. And worked on like pretty much like six, seven different divisions uh, from back in the days, the MSN, the narrowband, and the bare broadband, and as latest as on compilers and languages for Dynamics product line. And I saw this problem like firsthand, right? How difficult it was to kind of, you know, just test and release and do that every day on a day-on-day basis. And it was frustrating, and I see that as kind of opportunity. That hey, it's a it's a it's a much bigger problem than than just Microsoft alone. It's an industry problem, and and right. then finally, I kind of decided to jump the ship and uh, and I started surfing. So tell us a little bit about you know start at the beginning talking about uh, the automating testing. I know people write test scripts. You want to do scriptless testing. How does that work? So before I go into that one, I think it's it's important to kind of look at day in a life of a QA, right? Or, a, or how people have to go test mm-hmm. it. So uh, testing comes uh, a little bit later, but if you look at just the flow, like right from the CI, CD integration, setting up environment, using different framework like Appium, Selenium, and different tools, right? And then creating the automation. And the fourth element is actually executing at scale, right? So all those four components actually creates a lot of friction, right? So how I see the problem is not just kind of have a scriptless automation to create automation, but actually transform the user experience, in this case, the QA, right from setting up the environment, running it at a scale and doing it today. What people do is, as you know, they write a bunch of scripts with CI CD integration. They write 
bunch of script to set up environment, setting up devices or, you know, environment, and then kind of write using the right to code, code do that, right? And I think that's where we actually come into the picture that we have taken a little bit different approach in the sense that it's it taking a progression of the software testing, right? And if you also look at kind of the progression, right, you have the manual testing, you had the automated testing, and then you have now the no-code testing. So how we see the future is more of an intelligent testing. And what does an intelligent testing mean in this case? Is that software's ability to identify itself how to test. We have reached a point where we think that with the technology, we are able to kind of create test, auto-generate the test, and be able to execute it. So that's the kind of at the 10,000-foot level our approach is. It's really interesting. You know, I had mentioned before the show that Ryan and I are working on a piece, you know, it's something along the lines of self-healing code is the future of software development, right? And so the idea is that there have been things you might add to a CI CD pipeline or a GitHub action, like you said, that, you know, you might write some scripts that, that were useful for this. But with the entrance now of really powerful AI that is really good at reading and understanding code, you know, creating its own, can look at maybe a specific code base and understand the dependencies, the packages, the style even of the code, it seems like what you're suggesting and what we've been having really interesting conversations with people about is that as you're writing the code or maybe after you've written it, you know, while it's still in, in, not in prod, you're able to run things that say, this is a good test. You know, this looks like an area that needs to be shaped up. You know, basically adding pull requests that you can then look at that would help you automate some of what you, you know, were saying is quite burdensome, that overhead you described of several, several steps before you can even get to the tester, right? It actually goes even further than that. Uh, we obviously have a, have a product that we announced uh, a month back. I can now actually look at your functional spec or a story in your confluence page, and I can actually generate the test cases route out of that mm. and map it to what I have tested before. It's like amazing what we can accomplish today. Obviously, it's not going to fully replace people, but it's like just as you mentioned, right? It's going to augment. So imagine the world that, you know, as soon as a, if I'm a product manager or a program manager, and if I write my story and system is smart enough because I have already tested your product or your software, so I can actually bring those things together. And actually, we have been able to demonstrate that and it's been resonating quite well. Is that, you know, hey, with that capability, because one of the key capabilities that OpenAI brings is that I can take any software, because at the end of the day, it's a state diagram, right? Take that one, create your own model and start mapping it to not only the source code that you mentioned, hey, for a given product change, tell me what's impacted, but also right. identify a new feature and create the test that I can auto-create, or I we call it the set test case generation, and be able to execute that seamlessly. Right. Well, if you're not saying generative, you have to add generative so that your company will be highly valued. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. We were, we were in this space for before this generative word becomes so common that it is now. <laughs> right. It's interesting writing the test case off of the functional specs. You know, obviously somebody can write janky code, you know, to do the thing and it doesn't do the thing. So if you're just looking at the code, you're like, well, that did the thing badly like it was supposed to, like the code says it does. Um, do you think there will come a time where, you know, people are just writing functional specs and the AI does the rest? I think we are going that path, but it's still far from it. And what are the challenges with it? So there are uh, three types of challenges. 
One, you already highlighted that, hey, uh, you know, if somebody writes a bad code, you can't figure it out. Obviously, it's the same thing as that the functional spec also has the same problem, right? If somebody writes a bad one, then you'll have a bad outcome, right? Third is that uh, one of the things that we see in the, especially in the legacy or older product where people are going through the digital transformation, a lot of things is not documented, right? So you get partial information and you may cause more damage than the solution. And the third problem that we see in, in this is, is a lot of dependency on, on, especially in line of business application, there's a lot of dependency on different type of test data that determines how things move. But regardless, I think we are going in that path. And I, I do believe that, you know, um, in next couple of years, there will be a lot more advancement than we can actually think now, because right now people are right. building all the things on top of OpenAI. Yeah, there was the demo. They haven't uh, released the multimodal model yet, right? But I draw the sketch of my website on the napkin. I take a picture and uh, it spits out the HTML. So, you know, that's like a very toy example. But, you know, like you said, somebody who's way more advanced, who's writing a story, you know, or a functional sort of outline might be able to get something that's a bit more tangible. Yeah. And I think uh, the, the biggest challenge that we'll have, and, and we are already seeing that, is that how do you get to the baseline? What, what I mean by baseline is, Suppose you're testing a, a mobile application, right? So you have to know the full story, right? The, all the artifacts of the product, menus, items, transactions, and all those things, right? I think once you get to that baseline or build your model, right, multi-models, then actually you can start mapping it to more and more other aspects of it that can help us generate the, the test cases and be able to execute that. By the way, related to that is today, we can take any contextual text just simply saying, hey, log in using Office 365, do this, and you can actually convert that into an Appium code out of the box through OpenAI. So, mm-hmm. so there's already a building blocks of it. So generating of test cases there, the, the ability to generate code is there, right? So it's the ability to kind of stitch this together into a seamless experience that will transform right. the QA experience. Yeah, I had an experience myself being a pretty unskilled coder trying to do these things. And exactly like you said, it was the area of stitching together, you know, the front end code with the back end database with, you know, the area I was running the Node.js application. And in my mind, what I started to realize was the cloud providers that bring all this together so that as you're talking to the service, you're saying, like you said, I need a login page here. I need a little bit of OAuth here. I need a database of this size. You know, I need it to be able to scale, you know, depending on the amount of demand. And, you know, this is how I'd like to go about my front end design. And if those things are natively integrated, like it's clear to the AI how to connect those pieces, it becomes incredibly powerful because that's where a lot of the friction is right now. Exactly. And and that's exactly what our approach has been, right? You know, to run your, your question earlier, you know, how does I see kind of the scriptless transforming is actually that's the next mm. generation of it, right? That scriptless is very focused on creating tests. It's not about generating, executing, and bringing and reporting everything together. And another thing that we have seen, Mm. which is very powerful, is that ability to understand your quality report. And what do I mean by that? So today, if you're, again, as an example, if you're having a mobile application, you have to have a visual quality separate. You have to have performance data separate. You have to have a testing Mm. metrics separate, right? So now with OpenAI, you can actually just ask question, hey, I'm releasing an application in this particular country. What do I need to go do it? Hey, what step is taking the longest performance and what are the preceding steps? So actually, you can start analyzing these results in a very unique way 
that gets consumable by anyone in the team instead of writing custom reports. Yeah, we did a couple of uh, pieces on testing on the blog a while back, talking about how you know the best tests are uh, deterministic, right? They have a functional core. On a scriptless level, how do you handle those things that aren't deterministic? Say, data from a database or the time or things that will vary every time. Yeah, that's one of the things there. We see kind of two types of example in a non-deterministic test. One is that especially if you have a dynamic content. So if you have a dynamic content mm-hmm. and two, uh, you have a hybrid app or dynamic apps that doesn't give you all the controls and all those things, right? So one of the things that we have done, companies and different companies have created is, is the different modules, right? So now you can actually analyze the image. Like for example, the one-time password configuration, right? So you can actually now, what you can do is that you can do a three-prong approach, meaning you can actually analyze the image and understand what are the constructs of it. And then you can actually apply certain data sites that are pre-configured. You can actually generate that on the fly. And the third is actually bring those kind of together in a non-deterministic way. So it's I totally agree. It's, it's a challenge. The more and more apps become dynamic, the more challenging it, it becomes. But there are a few techniques that people have been using it to address that. Mm, yeah. Do you recommend or do you use mock data or fake data at all? Uh, we uh, don't. We actually have our own uh, actually uh, patent on it. Uh, so we have seen if you use, especially in the testing, depending on what testing you are doing it. So if you are doing in unit testing, the mock should be reasonable. But since we address this more of a QA persona, right, we, we believe that for those when the mock is actually can give you a lot of, yay, things looks good and they are actually not. So we have actually have, have kind of not followed the, the mock. I noticed that it seems you focus on on mobile. Uh, when I go to your website, that seems to be what you're calling out the most and a lot of big name clients there sort of, you know, talking about the apps that you've helped them. Is there a reason that, that you're particularly focused on the mobile space? And I guess maybe talk to us a little bit after that about like, what is your tech stack? You mentioned you got started a few years before kind of the recent revolution, but it sounds like you also, you know, have learned how to tap into open AI and things like that um, as of late. So why mobile and what's what's the tech stack behind all this? Yeah, so what we were seeing is that when we started the company, we had to focus on certain things, right? Uh, we realized that, you know, the, the mobile was a bigger problem. Every company, especially B2C and others, have to have a mobile presence. And the few of the last reports that I had seen is that that was growing much faster. So people spend more and more time on mobile, both in the mobile browser as well as mobile apps. So we support both mobile browser, mobile apps. But also we noticed is that one of the pain points that people had on the mobile is that in order to test the mobile, you have to call certain APIs, as Ryan mentioned, retrieve data and perform actions. So we actually do mobile browser, mobile apps, and APIs as part of one suite. And we felt that that's kind of growing fast and was a more pain point that we we wanted to address. So that's what's the intent for addressing that. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, now I'd love to know a little bit about your tech stack. Like, what did you decide to work with and how has that evolved over the few years you've been in business, especially as, you know, kind of a, a, a seismic change has occurred with the latest wave of generative AI stuff? Yeah, so we have kind of a three core components of the product. One is obviously the, the presentation layer, then we have all backend, and then we have our own machine learning models, right? So these are kind of the three broader category. And the backend pieces, we actually run Azure. 
And the reason we use Azure is basically, you know, because we needed the redundancy across multiple environment. And also we work with enterprise. So, you know, the the compliance and SSO makes it much easier and simpler. And we were also part of the Microsoft startup uh, ecosystem as well. Um, So we use kind of Azure as our backend. Our front end is kind of Node.js and, you know, the mean stack uh, and Angular and other pieces that we use. And then for machine learning, we have actually our own models that we have created. Uh, we have our own models that actually we use actually in the machine learning. We use it's like around seven, eight different algorithms from OCR recognition to building our own models and prediction on what elements are there. So we have a kind of a combination of the, of the things. And the one thing that we do is, is also that you can access any device Android and iOS under 10 seconds from anywhere in the world with as if you're using it physically. So that actually requires a lot of optimization. So we have like a whole network infrastructure layer that actually drives that efficiency. Yeah, the uh, I, I remember a friend of mine was running his own mobile game company and he would go to conferences just to pick up test devices. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. So as you will allow testing sort of Actually or virtually on devices? Actually, we have actual real devices that's in our data center in Seattle. And one of the things that we do very uniquely, uh, and that's what we were talking about, how we can create our model is actually when you go to any device and start playing with the application, under the hood, we are training it. So where you're clicking on it, what you're doing it. So that's all feeds into our machine learning system and said, okay, where the users are doing it. And that's how we are able to kind of do it with high accuracy and, and run the generate the test case and be able to run that faster. Interesting. So you mentioned, you know, that that you had worked at Microsoft and that uh, this startup kind of came through the Microsoft ecosystem. Tell us a little bit. Yeah, I guess, were there things you learned there, you know, principles for the way you organize teams or think about software engineering or, you know, something that came out of maybe, you know, having a sort of pseudo partnership with them as going through their accelerator that have played a big role in what Sophie is? I joined uh, Microsoft right out of college, right? So I think uh, I should write a book on failures, <laughs> literally. And and because, you know, a couple of things that are the foundational thing that I learned. Number one is that realization that what as founder don't know, don't know. So that itself is a very simple word, but it is very significant. As an example, I'm the lone founder. So when I started it, I, and I had no idea about sales and marketing, right? Knowing that what you don't know it's very important so that you're surrounded with the people who can complement the skills. And you can, as one person or a one founder, you can't bring everything to the table, right? And unfortunately, you know, early days of Microsoft, you know, I, we kind of, you know, egoistic <laughs> to a certain extent, you know, and, and that needs to be changed. So that's one kind of foundational principle, right? Two is that as I spent more time at Microsoft, my understanding of the ecosystem was through Microsoft Lens, right? And industry is far bigger than this Microsoft, right? So that was one big learning is that, hey, it literally took me a, a year to really kind of figure out, you know, hey, where it is. And if you know, in, in 2015, 16, 17 timeframe, Microsoft wasn't in the mobile space as well. So I was doing something that was completely different, right? So like industry problems was a, was a really bigger learning that I had. And, and, and the third one is, is really, it's all about people. Right. And that's one thing that I was really helped at Microsoft that Microsoft was very focused on people development and others is that, hey, you are as successful as your team, right? Of micro or macro, um, markets things aside, but it is the strength of your people that makes or breaks the company. So I think, uh, that are the three, the principles that I now try to go use at managing several hundred people at Microsoft and now going 
back growing the team from one end to end and really rolling up the sleeves and doing it. It's a, it's a different uh, different mindset, uh, to say the least. Cool. All right, everybody, it is that time of the show. Let's shout out a Stack Overflow user who came on to the site, shared a little bit of knowledge and helped to rescue a question from the dustbin of history. A lifeboat badge awarded to Todd Jacobs for coming to rescue a question and providing a great answer. How to check whether a string is an integer in Ruby. Todd has got you covered and helped over 17,000 people. So we appreciate it, Todd. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. Find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find the blog at stackoverflow.blog. And if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at rthordonovan. I'm Sayed Hamid, founder and CEO of Sophie.ai, no-code automation platform for mobile apps. Try us out at Sophie.ai and let your mobile app tested by, uh, by AI. Very cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>